0: Hello all, welcome to the Lunar C Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 333, and today we'll be talking about Castle Crawl from GlitchTex. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, we made it up
1: to 333, check the trips, baby! And we've made it to a, a complete uh, nostalgia grab here. For the first time, it feels like GlitchTex is really being explicit in its uh, referencing and homaging... So we get, you know, a a mainly Castlevania episode, you know, throwing in the Stein in there, the Steen, but not not a very Wolfenstein adventure, I I would say. No, this is
0: this was actually the first episode that or at least chronologically the first episode that should have been telling me that Glitch decks. as much as I love it and how much it loves gaming,
1: it is primarily celebrating games I have never played. I have also not played any Castlevania game, which is just, you know, is it blasphemy? I don't know. But here we are, two two gamers that apparently haven't touched that much. You know, and I was a big Nintendo kid, but I was a nin- Nintendo kid starting on Game Boy Advance, Wii era, and didn't have a GameCube. So, like, there were, there were uh, quite a lot of Castlevania games on both the Game Boy and the DS, but... I I don't know I you know I didn't have friends that played them I don't know if those games were really targeted at people who were already really growing up with them back in the in the NES and Super NES days and you know I I had a large stint where I have played tons of the retro you know NES and Super NES games and I even have those those little <laughs> mini consoles uh, just for those even though I could just emulate them Nintendo of course though I don't emulate games you didn't hear that from me yeah but. I've just not really touched the Castlevania games. I definitely understand the tropes. I definitely get the references. Heck, I've even watched gameplay. So when we had our villain throw out the phrase, what is a mortal but a pile of yeah. petty vanities? That just, I mean, everyone that was knows ringing. That name. Yeah, like I, I i knew that quote, of course, I don't actually know the actual quote. Like what is a human but something? But I uh, but I recognized that it was a thing. What we need is
0: we need a villain in a glitch text episode that asks what can change the nature of a man. That would,
1: that would make (laughs) me pop. Nothing is better than um, the worst villain dialogue in my mind always is time crisis. What does that guy say that, (sighs) have you, do you, are you familiar with time crisis? No, no, I am not. It's mainly like, I always experienced it in the arcades and... Hold on! It just has the most amazing ending boss that I need to send you, but he just has the most hilarious, cringy dialogue. Anyway, I need to find his quote though because he says something even worse than what is immortal. But uh, whatever. Anyway, but I will say this: Castle
0: Crawl is probably going to be the driving force when I finally buy Bloodstained Symphony of the Night. So they uh, they have that. A uh, sale to be credited with eventually when I get around to it,
1: yeah, I also need to get around to that on the switch, although I heard it didn't perform very well on the switch, like literal game performance wise but what does literally what does um the Nintendo published games <laughs>
0: sometimes run <There laughs> well you go. sometimes anything made with the switch's limitations
1: in mind, got it. So let's look at what actually occurs in this episode, (laughs) Uh, you know, five minutes in. So, you know, I was talking last week. Man, Five and Miko are really good at their jobs, despite being pretty new to this thing. And they continue to show that. You know, they're they're, they're not the D team. I don't get it. This episode alone should cement their position in the organization. Well, no. See, I think you're making the same mistake
0: I made at first when he says, well, figuratively you're the B team, but literally you're the D team. Since Phil is such my spirit animal, I assumed (laughs) that he was insulting them and saying that they're not even worthy of being called the B team. But no, like literally they are the fourth team to be sent to that house.
1: Yeah, but they're not just by happenstance the fourth team. They're also, you know, hierarchically or skill or respect, you know, position-wise, the fourth team that you might call for such a thing.
0: I mean, I get no, actually, I think that this would actually be a sign of good stuff because the way I think is, for, for all the people, you lose all the teams you're willing to lose, and then you send in Mitch, and then if he fails, you have to escalate it up to corporate. So the fact that, you know, they're being, they're the fourth team means, well, I think they have a good shot. I mean, ideally, Phil might guess. just not care.
1: Also, yeah, it wasn't a particularly high-stakes mission. You just had to beat the game. Phil was very aware of that, and nobody was in physical harm. Sometimes sometimes people are in physical well, harm with these glitches. that, that spore can do some lasting damage, as Bergy found out. Well, that's true. It did, uh, yeah, it's not permanent, though. Just some hair loss. Some minor hair loss. I think he was much more critically hurt in a different way due to his yeah, poor uh, choice of a frozen pose.
0: Good guy. And Miko had it. Bergy's not a very uh, discerning dude. He did not realize what a bad liar she was. But she had, to, she couldn't real, she didn't see the smile on his face when she told him he looked cool. <laughs> so yep. she just blurted out. She assumed that he could see through it, but he could not.
1: Poor guy. But yeah. So I don't know. They're 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 not respected enough. They're too low tier. I guess, you know, we have to grind and get the EXP in order to rank up in this organization, but at some point, you have to look at what these two are doing just physically and say, oh my god, how are these gamers so physically good at doing this job? And they're just so freaking agile. They're they're gymnasts. Uh, and, you know, yet their organization just considers them tools. And they celebrate it. They're like, Hooray, we're tools.
0: I was I was actually giving serious thought to making uh one of my little uh screenshots with the with the speech bubbles. Just they were so excited to be tools. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Poor guys. If that is not accepting your place in our nightmarish corporate system, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, I don't think they had the same sense of being called a tool <laughs> as as what it could have been, but that's okay. I did also love that, you know, each episode features a little bit of a duality sort of thing happening. Different gamer experiences are examined in small and big ways, and this one is about do you finish every game you play or not? And Miko is the person who finishes every game, and you know, Five just can't, hasn't in the past, although you know, that he finally gets yeah. a chance this episode to sort of prove that he can, and Miko realizes that her entire life was a lie, and Every choice she's ever made it has been predicated on the false notion that she beat Castle... <laughs> Castle Stein. I, I,
0: I like that when she's trying to make Five feel better, she does lie and says, well, maybe I haven't beaten every game. But then when she thinks that she hasn't beaten Castlestein, it's like, oh my god, there's a game I haven't beaten. This is terrible. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. She lied pretty convincingly to Five there. I believed
1: her. Uh, yeah, okay. Also, I like that you're talking about lies because this is just a little thing woven in there too where miko totally knows the five didn't really beat this game but she kind of makes it more of a thing than maybe you might otherwise like you know maybe i'll just be like oh yeah my friends just you know lying but i don't care whatever they didn't really beat this game but she tries to turn it into a little bit of a teachable lesson which i thought (laughs) okay you know fine be the like sort of mentor i i guess i don't know it, it's just interesting that she chose to take on that role and even set up this scenario where it's like okay you take the lead on this one five and we'll see how it goes i, I love how she's uh taking
0: selfies but she's like oh man five looks really red in that outfit and takes a <laughs> picture of him too yeah i loved that i loved that pause and just pure admiration pure admiration i mean such a such a doomed effort though I mean, you don't you don't dislike it when people lie about being experts at video games that you know they've never played?
1: <laughs> well, you know, the proof's always in uh, the pudding and in the, in the action. And you can pretty much easily tell, you know, you can talk it up all you want. But when you're in the middle of playing the game, I, you know, people are going to find out fast. Yeah, I really liked the montages of going through the game in this one just because it was so specific to, you know, at least the pastiche of the Castlevania experience that we seem to both understand, even though we haven't played it. Like, it just visually was there. And I don't Some of the monsters reminded me of other games, though. Like, those eyeball monsters were very Kirby-esque to me. Ooh, uh, Kirby. The huh? way they worked. Or even, like, those same eye enemies that sort of activate and are looking at you, even though they're in, like, the Shantae platforming series. But anyway. I also... That, like, fight, the first phase of the boss fight that they have where it's just like the intense attack patterns that's just been repeated in so many games at this point like i was thinking of so many different types of games like super meat boy has that like very pattern very strict it's hardcore you you would die the first time even like i played super smash bros brawl as like a tween and i just thought that the last boss fight against taboo was just impossible because you had to like memorize the patterns and you had to know how to do moves that i didn't know how to do as an 11 or 12 year old where you have to like sidestep certain attacks and yet which is like shielding and then pressing down and i just had no idea that that was a thing so i was like this boss is impossible and it's just a visual spectacle and you're like this guy's crazy he's the god of gods yeah.
0: I I have trouble with any bosses that rely on you knowing the pattern like even even the boss for Freedom Planet like it was mm. embarrassing how many attempts it took me to clear him out and I'm I'm certain as far as Boss Battle's go he's he's pretty mild I'm I'm for the most part a Joe Rock kind of guy, you know, I just punch and I'll be fine. And <laughs> if I can't just punch and be fine, it's it's not going to be a good time.
1: Well, there's something to that as well like not that every boss should just be beatable with punches, but it's kind of like people who are really good at dark Souls. It's not just about memorizing patterns. you're like when you become learned at the game and you you understand the dodging and the attacking and everything you it It's a little lame that you like there's games where you just fight a boss and you just have to grind memory like also sonic three d Sonic games have this problem. where they just expect you to fail levels over and over and over again until you just memorize what's going to happen because everything's happening so fast. And that's sort of how like the super meat boy, you know, final boss was. And, you know, just memorizing alone. I mean, it's just memorization. If I want to do that, I just play Simon Says and call it a day. So I think there's something to like learning gameplay and being in that. But, you know, patterns are just such a, you know, timeless part of gaming and maybe established by games like castlevania it's like
0: uh in in my in my quest for a more hardcore style game like that like the kind glitch text might idolize i finally happened upon bpm bullets per minute and that was the that was the one that really clicked with me and it's like ooh, the i'm uh, I, i haven't beaten it with the hardest character yet the one who you can't get hit at all or you lose the game but I've I've done well with everybody else and like it's night and day, like me at the start versus me fifteen mm-hmm. hours into the game. Or fifteen after fifteen hours
1: of experience. Yeah. It also reminds me of like I feel like fighting there's certain um like hack and slash games that get this right. Like I think of the Bayonetta series, and all the all the bosses have like, you know, distinct patterns and stuff, but in general, if you understand how they're telegraphing attacks then you can generally approach fights and use the dodge mechanic to slow down time and then get your punches in. And so you may like need to learn what some of the telegraphs are, but like a really good player could just come into a fight and they're going to do pretty good the first time. And then you're going to learn, you know, how to anticipate certain things, but your like skill actually carries through. But anyway, uh, what's another amazing thing that this had was all the poorly... Uh, written slash translated dialogue <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah weird
0: pluralization <laughs> oh yeah there there were so many that i wish i had written them down but yeah he he has a lot where he like he uses the wrong word it's almost the right word but they they did manage to they made sure to get if i fall you may rise like that was the biggest clue and they made absolutely sure that was correct
1: Okay, also the phrase negative time, like, just that kind of BS. (laughs) Is, like, is it a hint? Is this just crazy? I don't even know. I loved that. And it just is a very specific thing. And if not, you know, I haven't played Castlevania, but, like, experiencing the weird dialogue from games like Kingdom Hearts. It just took took me to that. And, like, I didn't play Kingdom Hearts 3, but I watched a lot of the story content of that and... (laughs) <laughs> it just had that vibe of like what is this ridiculous terminology how could i ever like exist in this world and understand it it's so beautiful
0: i mean isn't with kingdom hearts the problem that you need to constantly refer to the glossary so you know what word what the words mean
1: you you need to constantly refer to the past 20 games to understand literally even one scene <laughs> like you just could be completely lost and also there's probably clones and shadow clones of the characters in multiple dimensions. It's like the worst kind of comic book storyline. <laughs> yes. There was also on display here the 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 true final boss required certain items that you may or may not have collected. Yes. Good thing that five was a collector.
0: I mean, it's it's always best to be a hoarder in old school video games. There there are so many things where you'll be rewarded for having one specific random item. And if there's no penalty
1: for keeping something in your inventory, why toss it, you know? Yeah, except, oh, I mean, so they could have attacked the statue in one, no matter what, I guess, with any item, but... But they would have to jump there. Uh, that bent sword! The bent sword, they needed that to even activate the second phase. That is 100% mandatory
0: to get the second half of the game, you're right. That's why you always hold on to everything.
1: No, it's terrible. Like, when Paper Mario's Sticker Star came out, it had those, like, required... Or maybe it was either Sticker Star or Color Splash. But those Splash. were limited-use items. With, uh,
0: with, these, with these weapons, you only lose them if you destroy them.
1: Well, they were limited-use, but I think it was Color Splash had... You had to... You could enter boss fights, and you needed a special card in order to beat the boss. And if you didn't have the card, you would just lose the boss fight. Which was stupid. <laughs> so stupid. And I was a Wii U owner with just about every Nintendo published Wii U game. And I did not buy Color Splash because of the ridiculousness of that. But, you know, I don't think Castlevania ever did that. I think it was interesting that they threw it in here. They were clearly trying to give a lesson for, you know, hey, five, you know, what he's doing is a good thing. And that's fine. But I think that definitely shows that GlitchTechs is not just prioritizing being 100% accurate just for the sake of. Copying something, right? They are still like TV and cartoon logic. Sometimes takes precedent over precedence over video game logic.
0: And again, it's no this. That's video game logic. Like hold on to everything. If you have in, unlimited inventory, there's no reason to trash an item. True, but it's terrible game design. <laughs> but maybe you know, maybe that's the point of Castlestein. It's evil game design. Right. I do wonder if the magnetic gauntlets were actually a rare drop, or if they only dropped very rarely if you did not already have that sword in your inventory.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Food for thought. Also, a game where, like, truly random items drop like that, but it's a platformer? I don't think I've ever- or not a platformer, but a Metroidvania. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever played a Metroidvania like that. Unless, I mean, there's, I guess, well, can you even have a Metroidvania-esque roguelike? It seems like you can't. The whole point of roguelike would be that there isn't, you know, blocks of progression. I assume that she was telling the truth when she
0: said that it was a rare drop, because otherwise Five would have said, huh, I got these on exactly the, the same part of my playthrough, but maybe he was too busy making something up about the Iron Knights to, to yeah. catch on the fact that he got it at exactly the same spot. So she might have made up the rare drop thing.
1: Well, I don't want to be too pedantic here, but like, I did play a lot of Metroid... I've played, you know, the Metroid Super Metroid, uh, the the Prime games, and like, the idea of drops does not exist in that genre, right? Like, you get energy pellets and you get missiles, and that's it. For the progression of Metroid, you kind of need specific items. It, right. it would
0: be like playing Dust and Elysian Tale, if you could only get certain mobility items at random locations and it's like no no you get them at specific points in the story and then you backtrack to it's how you're supposed to go
1: right it feels a lot more like roguelike which i'm just assuming that castlevania also didn't really have item drop so it's definitely there's like some of that melding mushing of other video game things happening here which is totally totally fine but uh you know i just need to be annoying and point that out Although maybe I'm totally wrong and I didn't play 12 Castlevania games that all had this mechanic and I'm an idiot, so, you know. Fire off in the comments. Yeah. Let us know what your favorite random drop in Castlevania was. Yes. I really hope that, you know, all these Castlevania fans are like, I've always wanted to listen to a podcast about two people who don't, haven't ever played Castlevania, talk about what they think Castlevania's about. Even though they're supposed to be talking about a cartoon. Yeah. (laughs) But
0: I mean, really, it's this episode is so about Castlevania that it's just naturally going to come up. Yeah, it's it's kind of important. So what else did you really love in this episode? Uh, Other than the glamour shot of them firing that cannon in the final (laughs) boss fight. (laughs) The whole final boss
1: fight was pretty sweet. And just the whole just the visuals. I mean, the way that they did the dialogue Like, oh, you know, isn't this really goofy how this over-the-top villain also waits for us to say a thing and then he says his thing? And then the actual fights are just beautiful and colors and firing lights. It's great. I love the also second phase boss design. Just the whole Uh, concept of it. I liked his original design
0: so much better, though. He looks so awesome. I know.
1: So dashing in his random viper snake things. I'm gonna say, I I know you 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 have a weakness for villains with fabulous <laughs> I, I I was like, he's gonna bring it up because of the whole Horde Prime thing. Like, yes, this is a very Horde Prime esque. Like, look at this guy. It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you you literally just asked
0: for me to bring it up. I, I <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Oh well. What's you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It is what it is. I, I mean, I guess the only big missed opportunity from this episode is we never got to see the family who was responsible for unleashing Castlestein on their house. Like, I, yeah, I kind of would I have really liked it, them to just pop up and say, "What the heck was that?" Before everybody like
1: zaps them at the same time. Right. I mean, we had like uh, all these Hinobi employees lying around their house, uh, but no family. I mean, I guess they, we already did the
0: five and Mitch erase somebody's memory at the same time in the previous episode. So I guess they can't be there. Otherwise, everyone resetting them. It's like, oh, you did that joke again. I mean, it's a funny joke. So I think you can do it again.
1: I mean, there's always, you know, callbacks, right? (laughs) And just keep doing the same thing. It's like a Bismuth using the same joke twice. Well, Bismuth is not just allowed to do that. She's required to do that because it is a fantastic pun. So
0: and it's none of your bismuth what she chooses to make a jokes about.
1: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> anyway, guys, that's been us on Castle Crawl. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And
1: I'm David. What is a podcast but a pile of five star reviews on Apple Podcasts? Maybe you could add to that pile. Please review our podcast on iTunes. Later, everybody!
0: Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon related content, please visit lunarceasefire.com.